Periodically throughout the years, many nations have engaged in wars for different reasons. But what many often forget is that we as individuals are engaged in a battle every day in spiritual warfare. Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's Worship Services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich takes Paul's letter to Ephesus to help us understand the nature of the battle and how to be prepared. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich preaches a message entitled, Battle Gear from Ephesians, Chapter 6. It is good to be in the Lord's house this morning. And this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. So if you would follow along with me, we're going to be reading verses 10 through 18. 10 through 18. All right, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weaknesses, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for... Uh, this morning, the opportunity to come to your house to have service. I know, Lord, that the weather has been a challenge this morning. Uh, has been intimidating for many. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to be able to do this online for those to join us uh, that uh, could not make it through the weather to get here. And Lord, we thank you for the technology to do so. Lord, we just ask now as we go into this message, we just ask that you help us to prepare our hearts and our minds. Help us to be ready to accept and embrace your word that you've prepared for us today, Lord. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you help us to take these things that we we hear this morning and we let them take root in our lives, uh, that they may bear fruit and and uh, be used to exalt and glorify you. Lord, I know I'm not worthy to be the one to stand here and present the words you've laid upon my heart to uh, these in- folks, but we just ask, I just ask that you take me and use me as you see fit. Take away anything that could in any way interfere with the message. Selfishness, pride, distraction, just take it all away, Lord. Empty me, fill me with your spirit, that I might speak only the words that you've given me. And nothing would come up my, out of my mouth that is my own accord. And Lord, as a church, help us to continue to strive to move forward through the challenges that we face, through the uh, difficulties that we may encounter along the way. 
Uh, let us always be focused on those out in the community, those that we are here to serve, that we might not ever turn inwardly and become a self-serving church. Let us always be ready to show your love, your peace, and most of all, your gospel uh, throughout this community. And then as individuals, Lord, let help us to see opportunities to share your gospel, to share the, the peace and the truth in a world that is, seems bent on sharing lies and calling the truth a lie. And Lord, help us to continue to stand strong in the challenges to our faith. And Lord, forgive us of those times that we've sinned against you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I think back in my earlier years, in my grade school years, I, I grew up with some pretty fond memories. I grew up during the 80s, which were what I think was a pretty cool area to, uh, to grow up in. It was pretty, pretty good. There are a lot of positive things going on. Uh, a lot of uh, things that uh, left me with a very favorable impression growing up. Uh, but one thing that kind of lurked in the background throughout all of those years uh, was something referred to as the Cold War. Now, this a Cold War was an odd competitive conflict between the United States and Russia. Uh, and that would intensify and wane over, over the years. Uh, but never actually involved any direct conflict, typically, uh, between the nation's militaries. Uh, its origins can, to some extent, be traced all the way back to World War II, uh, but it seemed to intensify significantly during the 80s as the U.S. and the Russia worked to build these massive arsenals of nuclear weapons uh, and build their influence worldwide as a superpower in the, in the world. And for a while, it seems like there was this hidden battle uh, going on that at any moment could turn into an open catastrophe, uh, devastating for all the world. But fortunately, later in the decade, uh, began to diminish as changes began to take place in the Soviet Union. Uh, conditions allowed a resolution to the tensions between the two nations. So that war has kind of waned. Now I understand that we are now in somewhat of a conflict of, of a cold nature with that nation again, um, and potentially another one. But, uh, and we have had several hot conflicts since then as well, several active wars where there was physical contact. Um, but one thing we, we've lost sight of, I think, sometimes is that there is a war that has been going on throughout all of this. Throughout of the Cold War era, through the World War I, World War II, Vietnam, Desert Storm, all of them, all the way through, there has been a war that is going on. It has raged since the very fall of mankind. And I'm of course talking about the spiritual warfare that goes on all the time in, in a realm that is unseen to human eyes. And I think that's a lot of times why we don't keep it in the forefront of our thoughts is because it's not seen to our eyes so we tend to kind of leave it in the background if we think about it at all. Now the interesting thing about this war is although it's most evident in the spiritual realm its impact and effects can spill out into the physical realm where its impact and effects are felt on a daily basis as a matter of fact. And we see this manifest itself kind of on two levels. The first is one that is very personal, very direct, and it impacts every single believer in a unique fashion. 
And that is through the constant temptations, the constant spiritual struggles that we face all day long. And the second is on a much broader scale, a much more broad impact. And that is in the diverse aspect of the influence to our society where there seems to be a group effort, a societal effort almost, to move away from all things God and Bible related. Moving more towards a worldly perspective on things where the world and society begins to define the truth, begins to define what is right and wrong. And why this has a, a major influence on people. It is not typically uniquely to one individual. It's much a, a much more broad, uh, broad impact. Now these battles are constant, they're unrelenting, and they are very, very real. Peter alluded to uh, these perpetual efforts that Satan has, we see in 1 Peter 5.8 where he, tell, he warns us. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now this paints a very clear picture for us that Satan is constantly working, constantly at effort, constantly looking for ways to impact and affect and, and drag down and destroy. He's described as a lion, roaming, looking for specific prey. And this is why Paul warned us. He warned us to be ready for battle. This is not something to be taken lightly. So today what I want to do is I want to take a closer look at this battle we face and the realities regarding the warfare and some of the preparations that we can make along the way to help us in the battles we face. And the first thing is we have got to recognize that this battle is supernatural. This battle is supernatural. Now, one thing we cannot allow ourselves to forget is that this conflict we find ourselves involves entities that exist in another realm. And inasmuch involve powers that are beyond ours. We've got to remember that as strong as we envision ourselves to be, as spiritual as we, we think we are, the battle is on the spiritual level. And while we may even suppose ourselves to be mature, to be strong spiritually, to be well-grounded spiritually, we note the emphasis in Paul in our verses this morning that we deal not with a run-of-the-mill soldier of darkness, but also against the governing ranks of evil. And we've always got to remember that we're dealing in the spiritual battle with angels, albeit fallen ones, who have powers that we don't have. I'm reminded uh, of the time when I first began to study one of the martial arts that I spent years learning. And, um, I had just decided to begin studying a form called jiu-jitsu. And I had a background, a pretty extensive background in other forms before this. And if you're not familiar with, with jiu-jitsu, it kind of looks a bit like wrestling. Um, but instead of pinning your opponent to the mat, the goal is to get them into a chokehold or a joint manipulation, that uh, applying enough discomfort to give them, get, get them to give up. Now, me being a fairly large individual and thinking myself relatively strong because of my background and my training, uh, I figured that should give me some advantage in all of this. 
So I approached it with that, that mindset. Almost everyone that the class that I had began to join was smaller, some significantly so, even though they had colors on their belt signifying that they've been studying this form for some time. Well, the time finally came where we were to begin what we call rolling, which is we effectively were fighting, uh, in a sense, and doing the techniques to try to submit our, our opponent. Well, I had virtually no knowledge, as you can imagine, of the techniques. But in my mind, once again, I reasoned that I would compensate for my lack of knowledge of the techniques by simply trying to overpower my opponent. Well, things didn't quite turn out as I had planned. And that was a couple of reasons for this. Uh, the first being that I was trying, I ex had expended so much energy in trying to just simply use muscle and, and strength that I had quickly had me exhausted in a very, very short period of time. And I recognized that secondly, my opponent, who had much had more experience, had abilities that he had learned over the years that I did not. So he simply weathered the frantic efforts of this new guy, used his skills, seemingly expending almost no effort in doing so. And the minute I left an opening, quickly submitting me, leaving me on the mat, flat on my back, gasping for air, fatigued to the point of near incapacitation and wondering what in the world just happened. You see, the problem was twofold. I tried to rely solely on my strength and my opponent had abilities I did not and thus made it relatively short and an unsuccessful fight on my part. This is paramount for us to understand because we too in our spiritual fight are dealing with powers beyond our own. We're dealing with, with beings that have powers we do not, techniques we do not. And to try to fight this battle on our own strength is an absolute recipe for failure. Spiritually will leave us defeated. The struggle is futile if we try to do it on our own. Make a note of Paul's emphasis from our verses that, is that all the power and strength is of God in this too. Because even though we may think we're spiritually mature, even though we may think we are spiritually strong, we are still dealing with beings beyond our powers. Now go back, let's take a little back and take a note and highlight some of the things that Paul said in our verses that I want to I point out. And go back to verses 10 and 11 where he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong, what? In the Lord. Not strong in your faith. And because of you know so much of the Bible. Or strong in your faith because you pray so much. No, it says, be strong, what? In the Lord. And in the power of what? His might. Put on the whole armor of who? Your knowledge? No, put on the whole armor of God that you may stand, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Do you get it? Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Put on the armor of God. You see, all our strength, all our preparation, all the battle must be done with the power and provision that God provides. 
And Paul points out that doing so is how we stand against the wiles of the devil. It's how we stand against his approach, his attacks, his temptations, all of it. We must draw upon the strength of God to stand against this army that we face. <clears throat> but he goes on to reinforce something here. He states how we must utilize the supernatural weapons of battle to withstand in the evil day. And that brings us to the second point. We've got to understand that the battle is fought with the tools provided. There is a quote that I found when I was studying for this that I liked. It said, awareness that we are involved in a cosmic battle which is supernatural, personal, and futile if fought with natural weapons is the beginning, the beginning of conquering wisdom. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question. If you faced, were faced with going into battle, how would you prepare? You're going up against an enemy that is stronger, an enemy that is wiser, and very, very intentional in his attacks. Paul didn't go to the church at Ephesus and write to them saying, Yeah, you guys are pretty tough. And your spirituality, whew. You guys are something else. You are just as religious as a person can be. I'm not worried about you guys. You guys can handle the devil. We don't see Paul talking to the church at Ephesus like this. And I'm quite sure there are some very strong spiritual leaders in that church. Now, once again, Paul points out how their efforts in battle need to be done on the basis of the Lord's strength and the Lord's backing. But then he goes on to tell them, how to do this. He didn't just say, do it. He says, here are the tools. Here are the instruments. Here are the keys, the pieces that you need to fight this battle. And he pieces together the necessary armament for him to fight this fight. When we as a nation send our soldiers in the battle, we don't put them in a uniform and tell them to get after it. Just give them a, a, a blouse and a pair of, of, of fatigues and say, hey, there you go. Have at it. Now we prepare them. We give them the tools they need for battle. Can you imagine if our army were to show up on the battlefield empty-handed? How quickly that fight would end? I don't care how tough, I don't care how well-trained they are, they're going to get stomped. We equip them, though, with the necessary tools properly and successfully fight that they will face. They wear protective gear that prevents as best as possible injury and they are go in with weapons to fight back with. Paul says that we have been given the same thing but tailored to fight a fight that is not of this world. A fight, once again, that is fought in the spiritual. He references this even to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4, where he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. See, there's that reference of who the power and the strength comes from, to the pulling down of strongholds. Note the nature of all the tools that Paul mentioned. 
as you went through the armor of God, did you kind of pick up on something here? Truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, word of God. This clearly is direct contrast to Satan's tools, Satan's weapons of lies, unrighteousness, chaos, fear, unbelief. Do you know something about the weapons of Satan? Did it kind of sound like I was describing the world we live in today? All those things I mentioned are things that we see regularly from high-ranking individuals. Regularly we see those things being forced upon us, pushed upon us, used to exude power. But know something else about what Paul says when describing the weapons of our warfare. Gird about with truth, having on the breastplate, feet shod with, taking the shield, take the helmet. These are not passive expressions. These are not things that we do. We sit back and say, okay, just let's, let's make it happen. These are intentional and active actions where we make the effort to employ these elements. And it would appear that it all begins with girding about our loins with truth. Now what Paul talking, is talking about is a belt. A belt of truth. Well, much of the gear of our modern day soldiers is carried in vests. Paul's day, their weapons were carried on a belt. The belt was the key. The belt of truth. And if their belt was faulty, then they would struggle to maintain a position of preparedness. Their belt had to be solid. Unless we cinch ourselves tightly with the truth, that is, the truth of Scripture, then all of our other, other weapons of warfare will be in disarray. And understand that we cannot operate with only a portion of these tools. It's not like we can t t pick and choose between these, these weapons and these defenses. They are meant to come together as a whole. They are meant to come together to prepare us to, for the fullest extent of, against a very powerful enemy. Paul tells us explicitly to take up the what? Whole armor of God. He didn't say take up a few of these things and see how you do. He said take up the whole armor of God. There is no distribution of tools amongst God's people based on what your preference is or what your strengths are. What he is saying is that failing to employ any one of these God-given tools will leave you exposed and vulnerable to attack. We must take up the whole armor of God and thus the whole character of Christ. Now before I continue, I want to point out something important here. Understand clearly that this armor, while of God, is not that which God himself uses for in his omnipotence, he needs none of it. He is all-powerful. Not that these aren't a part of his character, but that he does not need armor in and of himself. And much of the armor is merely a part of who he is, his character, 
He provides it to us, and it's up to us to seek it out, understand it, and ultimately utilize it and employ it. Every piece is crucial. It is whole, the whole armor of God, as I said. Complete, and it's perfect and useful. No part, no item can be neglected. We don't manufacture it ourselves, ourselves, and we ourselves don't make it complete. It is ready-made, and it is powerful. We are to prepare for battle, and we are to make use of it. Now, let's be clear about something. Don't ever fool yourself into thinking that in some way you can outwit or outmaneuver the devil. Because remember, he has had literally a millennia to study the human race and its behaviors and what makes us tick. He is an absolute master in subversion and human manipulation. And he doesn't just make an attack from the front. Seldom does Satan ever attack openly. His strategies are carried out by his angels of, of darkness, are nearly unseen. They're shrewd and perfectly tailored for the individual that they're going after. I know we oftentimes see him depicted as this uh, red creature with uh, horns and a pointy tail and, and hooves. But that's not the way he comes at you. He usually comes at you ex exactly what you desire. And you've got to be ready. But the tools that Paul describes help us discern these particular schemes. They help us to be prepared for the attacks that he comes, that he, as he tries to wile his way in and kind of sneak his way into our lives and to get us off onto the fringes so that we're more vulnerable and more likely to be tempted. They're to help us be prepared. They're to help us to defend ourselves. But notice in amongst all those weapons that God provides, there's only one weapon that we can go back on the offensive with. And that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now it's called the sword of the Spirit because it is a spirit that makes the sword both powerful and effective. And as noted, Paul calls it the Word of God. But there's something interesting. If you start digging down into the original language here, if you start digging down into the Greek, you'll notice something very interesting. In most cases where Paul refers to the gospel, he uses the Greek word logos. But here he uses a different version of a word. He uses the Greek word rhema. And when that's used, it usually refers to the spoken word of God. So the sword of the Spirit here is the spoken word of God. In actuality, a sword can both be an offensive and a defensive weapon. It can be used in the power of the Spirit to share and spread the Word of God as well as defend the Word of God against attacks. <clears throat> like any other weapon, to become proficient with it, you must be familiar with it. You must know its capabilities. You must know its functions. 
So utilize the tool as God has given us. He has given us a very useful, a very powerful weapon to wield as well as all the defensive armament we need. And the last thing we need to take away from what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus is that the battle is not to be feared. We need to respect the fight. But not in a constant state of fear in doing so. Well, we are certainly at a disadvantage. I mean, I think that's clear. We're at a disadvantage going head-to-head. We aren't going head-to-head. Satan is certainly powerful, but he is not omnipotent. He is not allowed to operate outside the boundaries of God's direction. Now, this is not to say that God is in any way commanded or responsible for the temptation and evil that exists and occurs. Quite the contrary. It's clear from Scripture that God sets very clear limits on what Satan is allowed to do. Remember the boundaries that he laid down for Satan when Satan wanted to, to go after Job? Let's take a quick look at a few of the verses from there. In Job 1.10, he makes a statement, Hast not thou made an hedge about him, this is Satan talking to God, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance has increased the land. Alright? Then listen to 112. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself. Put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. You see the boundary that God, God laid a very clear line here. Saying, Satan, you can do this. But you're stopping here. What about Job 2.6? And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but what? Save his life. <clears throat> Once again, you can do this, but you stop here. You see, he's laying very clear boundaries that Satan is allowed to operate in. Satan, while he is certainly dangerous, is not without his limitations. He will in many ways try to imitate, imitate God's powers. But remember, he is not omnipresent. In other words, he cannot be in more place, more than one place at a time. So what does he do? He imitates God's ability of omnipresence by employing his army of falling angels to do his bidding around the world. And by employing angelic beings with powers outside of human capabilities, he is trying to make himself appear omnipotent as well. But understand something clearly. There is no dualism here. Satan is not God's counterpart. So often we see God and Satan depicted in a role of ultimate force of good against ultimate force of evil. But let's be clear about something. Satan is in no way equal with God. He is God's enemy for sure. But he is in no way on the level of God. And because God is infinite, Satan is infinitely inferior to God. Yeah, Satan is supremely evil. He is certainly evil in every way. Everything about him is evil. There is nothing in Satan that is redeemable or worthwhile. We know that he has, run of the, he has run of this world to operate his schemes and to work in opposition to spread the glorious gospel of Christ. 
We see a reference to this in 2 Corinthians 4.4 where it says, In whom the God of this world, meaning Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believeth not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine upon them. Now, to be clear, the word here is God little g, not God big G, as in the one true sovereign God. He may seem to run the show for now, but it's not going to last, folks. It is not going to go on forever. We've got to remember that the devil has already been defeated. Jesus has already won the victory for us. This paints for us a very different per, uh, picture than perhaps you might have had of this battle. Now, as Christians, we will feel the assaults of Satan. Make no mistake about it. We are going to feel the temptations, the attacks. We will certainly experience those things. A Christian who doesn't struggle against this world, Satan and the flesh, is a Christian is either in the midst of rebellion himself, is in the midst of unconfessed sin, or has become completely indifferent to the struggle and no longer strives for the kingdom. They've left the fields of battle that come with Christian service. But I want to point out something here. Note that the, I mentioned how Satan has already lost. He's already lost. And you may ask yourself, then why is he still fighting? Why do we still feel the effects of all that he is trying to do? If he has lost this already, he is still fighting, but the victory already belongs to us through the work of Christ. Christ has done the work that will ultimately bring us victory. We cannot defeat Satan because he is already defeated. We're told by Paul to do what? To stand. Remember what he said in, those, in our verses this morning? And having done all, to stand. We're not told to try and beat the enemy, but to stand against him and his efforts. If you look at the wars down through the history, you'll notice that armies that realize that they are beaten or very close to being beaten tend not to surrender oftentimes. It's at those times they tend to fight all the more fiercely, more intensely, more viciously. You see, Satan is fighting because he knows he's lost. Satan is going everything he can to fight against everything that God is doing because he knows his time is short and that he is beaten. So he's trying to do all the damage that he can do on the way down. So we are to stand and resist him. Remember what James, the advice James gives us in James 4.7? He says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. He gives us God's promise that these attacks will not go on indefinitely. He must, at some point, relent as we stand our ground, as we stand on the Word of God, as we stand on the virtues and the character that, of God reflected through us 
equipped with the gear, the battle gear, the spiritual battle gear that He's given us. But note, as mentioned in our previous verse, that there are some who are blinded to the truth. There are some who are blinded to the gospel by Satan. You see, he doesn't want God's, the light of God's grace to shine upon you if you don't know him. He doesn't want you to see the glorious gospel of Christ being offered to everybody. He doesn't want you to see that light illuminating the realities of this world, the realities of your life, and where you stand before God. And those realities are that you are a hopeless sinner. Without hope in this world, condemned already to an eternity of suffering. Incapable of redeeming yourself before God. But here then is the gospel, the light of the gospel that Satan doesn't want you to see. If you will confess your sins before God and believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay your sin debt, to pay the debt incurred by your rebellion against God, and believe that He rose three days later in victory over death, the grave, and sin, and even Satan, you can be saved. And you can be equipped to fight against Satan too. Why not join the fight? Let's stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we come before you this morning, we thank you for this time we've had together, Lord. We thank you for your truth that you've laid before us. Lord, just help us to take it all in. Help us to absorb it meditate on it, to live it so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, that we can stand against his temptations, against his attacks, and that we can live lives that glorify and honor you and point others to you. Lord, go with us now as we go in, back into the world, back into the fight. Help us to be ready. Help us to stand that we might bring honor and glory to you in every way and shape and form with everything that we do and we say. And Lord, if anybody here or at the sound of my voice has felt the, the moving of the Spirit upon their lives, Lord, let them respond accordingly. Let them hear your words that they might also step into the fight and know that their eternity is secure in you. And Lord, we love you and praise you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast, and BeyondPod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church Space-Space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await His joyful return. Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe he's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. 
If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Metafield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at providencembcgaston at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.